All right, guys, welcome back to the Short Story Long Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Derrickson, joined by my co-host, Andrew Dial. What's up, guys? And another new special guest host, we have Mr. Cody Hartke. How we doing? All right, well, it's been a little bit since we've had an official podcast recorded in the, in the studio. studio. Uh, and for those of you that have reached out wanting the follow-up for the King of the Hammers uh, updates... Basically, you got to get all, you got. It's not it. No, this you, isn't keep, it. you keep waiting because uh, we're waiting on Boss Man. He is currently balls to the wall getting moved into the new shop. Uh, he's been really, really busy with that. So I'm hoping when he's all kind of squared away there, he'll come down here and we can shoot a 30 minute episode wrapping up our uh, experience out in California. So I have. A ton of what's new, but I'm not really going to get into much because it's been a long time since we've done one of these. Is there anything yeah, notable? Here all day. Is there anything notable you want to talk about, Dozer? Um, no. Okay. <laughs> I guess. Uh, this, Nothing too exciting. This Saturday, is, well, Friday and Saturday is the Indy Cylinder Head swap meet over in Indianapolis. That's the kind of the unofficial inaugural year start for the swap meet season because then the following month we have the Altamont swap meet. So uh, I posted the rotating assembly for sale, hoping I could bring it there and sell it. No luck, but uh, we are going to have a booth set up at the Altamont swap meet. When is that? It is, you know, Dozer, it's April uh, 7th. 8th or 9th, I think. I may have to come to that. It's, it's, the second turkey season for the southern zone. Whatever that. I've not been to one in a long time. Be neat to yeah. see. Well, it's normally a good time in the spring. So yeah, uh, fall was kind of lame, but we, uh, thanks to Dozer, have a swap meet space, and uh, I guess all the junk. Yeah, I guess uh, Dozer's gonna go turkey hunting, and me and Jerry are gonna try to sell some junk. Or so. maybe I just won't go turkey hunting and go. It's oh. one day. It's one day. You'll be yeah. fine. Until you see Snapchats of big old Toms running around, you're like, oh, I I'm, should be out there. Turkey hunting doesn't do that much for me, honestly. I okay. Mean, All right. But, uh, oh, speaking of uh, killing things, I did experience my first cow butchering this weekend. I did see a Snapchat so I've done untold numbers of deer and... A little different. Lots of pigs, but this was a whole different ball game. I mean giant a lot more there yeah there's a lot there so it was cool we takes more than an hour yeah we butchered one day and then slaughtered the next day so they could hang for when they butcher again in two weeks and it was it was you know the the liver is like the size of a 55 pound dog food bag you know right. it's just giant and there's so, four stomachs yeah and it's not near as greasy as pigs Okay. I've noticed. So it was it was cool. So whose cows were they? Uh, I think some Jansen from Watson area. Oh, it wasn't like a one of your family friends' cows or whatever. Oh yeah, they the guy works for Ryan and his dad. Oh, okay, all right, okay. So yeah, he was but, someone we knew. Yeah, I don't know because I, I know his real, his real name, but because I know your uncle, like you just get a pig from him and butcher that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got you. So, um. All right, well, I have two emails. you want me to read them or save them? Uh, you can read them. Because um, if you don't read them tonight, I don't know when we're going to. Yeah, it could be another year before we do one of these things. That's again. right. 
So these are both from my sister. The first one, uh, she's talking about episode 39. And she says, wow, open playing Eminem. It's been a hot minute since I've heard him. Uh, that was the guess who's back. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, she says, yes, absolutely. Bring hoodies to your merch shop now. So uh, do we not have hoodies? No, just oh. t-shirts and huggies. Okay. I'll um, have to add that. And then she asked if about me being interviewed. I'm guessing... Uh, Stacy David? Stacy, yeah. I'm guessing Stacy David. I don't know. Um, she says, see if your big sis can get a copy. Uh, I don't have a copy to even hand out, so... Um, you were talking about coming with ideas to trigger the fans. I think you need to do a podcast of you recording you guys trying different things and saying what happens. So I'm not really sure exactly what she's referring to there. That could be interesting. Like tell my be. wife she's got a big butt and see if I get <laughs> slapped in the face. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So, Tierra, if you're listening, please elaborate on uh, what kind of things that me and Doza need to do and get our reaction. Uh, she loves your aunt analogy of old car parts are dancing partners, and that's why new stuff often messes up the dance. And uh, she says, no, you've gone to the dark side having an uh, Apple phone. So Indeed. I, every day I think about like things I want to talk about, the difference between Apple and Android. Like, I like this and I don't like that. And then when we get here, I can't remember. So Sound like me. So there's a notes app in an a Apple phone. You yep. can just I'm sure Siri would probably just you make say the note yeah, hey time. Siri, make a note. I hate this about you, and she'll be like, "That is very hurtful. Please do not I say things." I always tell like myself that. that for like Christmas gifts and birthday yes, gifts, yeah, I'm the and same then it way. comes time, and I'm like, "Uh." And then uh, so for episode 42 was the Hammer Time episode. She says, "Sorry for applying so late. Been off sick uh, for about." three weeks now she's uh doing fine now but uh patreon is basically just allows your loyal listeners to support you monthly for a certain amount you can have various tier amounts and offer something at each level for example tier one for five dollars a month our undying appreciation and a guaranteed question submitted that we will ask and answer on the air Tier 2 would be $10 a month. You get all previous tier goodies plus early access to our weekly podcast. And then I send them out on Tuesday versus Wednesday. Tier 3 for $15 a month. All previous tier goodies plus bonus content like a blooper reel slash a podcast that covers special info that you won't share outside of the Patreon group slash discount at the merch store, etc. Um, so tier three, bad news. We don't have bloopers. We just post that shit. <laughs> it's just what you see is so what you get. So it's kind of like OnlyFans, but for our mouth noises. Exactly. It's it's OnlyFans without showing our buttholes. So uh, as far as setting one, <clears throat> as far as setting one up, she's never done it, but Google can definitely help you here. So um, she just thought to have some extra income will allow us to upgrade equipment and help pay for vehicle parts, etc that you can use for fun and podcast content, which I like her thought there because what, like when we first started this thing, we wanted to do something and you explain it to your wife that it was a business <laughs> expense. Yeah, it was going point. to get your Comanche. Oh yeah. It was a business expense. <laughs> we needed something to talk about on the episode. Exactly. So sounds like I need a business. That's right. You, you do. Allegedly you can set one of those up on the internet for next to nothing. That's right. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get into it. So today's episode is one that has been the subject has been on the list since day one. And 
we have one loyal listener that will be upset that he's not here, but we can do this again. It's not okay. We, we it's not saying we can only do this once, but continue. So it is. We've been wanting to do a gun episode, but we wanted to do it with a guest, and we have a couple a couple people in mind for guests, but getting everybody lined up. Well, somehow Cody texted me about something. Or maybe me and Sam were talking. I was also talking to Cody about gun stuff. And I was like, hey, podcast guns? And he's like, yeah, sure. So it just kind of fell together. Anything guns. That's right. So so let's introduce Cody real fast. Cody, what uh, do you do? Or, or do wait, why, why don't we just do the questions? We got okay. questions here. How we, long we have you... Do, we, <laughs> we, we used to have guests on and do questions. How long have you been a listener of the Short Story Long Podcast? Oh, I don't even know how long you guys been doing it. Um, One of the OG. I will. I will admit I've pilfered through some of the podcasts and not listened to all of them. Okay, um, I won't listen, hold it against listen, you. Listen to pretty much all of the King of the Hammer stuff. Um, I would say probably every bit of a year. Uh, it's kind of my go-to when I'm sitting in the basement reloading ammo. Nice. Okay, we've been leaving him short, I guess, on content. <laughs> it still it still amazes me how many people actually want to hear us do this thing. So I know. All right. So how do you know me and Sam? Dozer. The the first time I met you, I think it was at uh Joe and Patty Jansen's. I don't know how you were there. Uh, we were probably all Charlie Jansen. Okay, that that's true. Full with a ride and things of that yeah. nature, shooting skeet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, I mean, I knew of you, but then I'd say probably when Eric Custer worked for my old man yeah. and we went jeeping over in Missouri with that was the it. marshmallow incident. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you kind of grew up near where my wife grew up. Yes. So and I, I knew... feel like, I feel like you had blown through, you know, on a bicycle or something. Well, and so I was good friends with Trey and he lived just down the road from Laren and them. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how I knew of you. Who you were. In full disclosure, I hated Cody Parkey. I, I don't so know much. He it's was lie. a mouthy little son you of a bitch. Before. Okay. <laughs> I couldn't stand him. So are are you the same age as Dozer or older or uh, younger? I'm 32, so he's a little older yeah, I'm than me. 35. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So yeah, he would he would come by and mouth about some bullshit, but oh, that ain't a real Jeep, blah, blah, blah. And just like <laughs> I don't know. Like Trey had a little like mini crotch rocket, you know, they had like a little weed eater motor. Yeah. And they would just buzz off down the road like <laughs> kids. Yep. So then we went to uh, Missouri canoeing and jeeping and he went down there with us. And it's like, I was like, dude, Eric, you are bringing Cody Harkey. Like, what the hell? He's like, oh, it's my boss's son, you know? And Eric don't say no to nobody. Oh, you know, yeah. He's the nicest guy he ever. Teddy bear. And uh, I mean, we had a pretty good time, I think, that time. Oh, so I had I had a blast. After that, I was like, oh, Cody Harkey's not too yeah. bad. You Watching know? Jerry, uh, you know, burn the tires off of the Nova in the driveway that might have been 20 yards long before <laughs> it hit the highway. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like my father-in-law. Yeah. Uh, what about Sam? Uh, Sam, I met through Dozer and I believe through Cody Willenberg mm-hmm. at the shop a little bit and uh, just kind of got to know him through that. And Never been pulled over by Cody. No, <laughs> no. We could probably change that. <laughs> <laughs> well, my day job now doesn't re- doesn't uh, doesn't involve pulling a whole lot of people over. It, it Fair enough. Still can, but yeah. 
So what is, what is your day job? So my full-time occupation is a police officer, um, and then I work part-time for Accuracy Firearms here in town. So it's always good to have your buddy working at the gun store. Absolutely. Yep. It's uh, it's worked well for Dozer, maybe not for Laren, but what she doesn't know doesn't hurt. <laughs> the funniest story is I went in there and bought a gun that was on co-assignment. That was Cody's gun. Really? <laughs> I took another 50 bucks off for him. I appreciated that. Was that that Hornet? Uh, no, I've got a high sweeper. standard, high standard riot shotgun. Oh, that's right. That's right. I remember you telling me about that. So that, uh, did you have to get in commission on that? Uh, that one, I don't believe. No, nice. No, usually as an employee, they treat you pretty well. So yeah, I, uh, I always thought in the beginning, they were always super expensive, but really anymore, it's not too bad. And the service you know, I've, I've had some issues with a couple things, and the service is always so great. I just tell people it's worth the extra. Yeah. No, that's one thing I really try to work on, too, when I'm there is just to do the right thing, make everybody happy. But I've also learned that pricing is it's it's all dependent on what our places that we buy it from are willing to sell it to us for, too. Yeah. There's times the same, same thing. We might be able to buy a lot cheaper than we could normally, so... That, that price reflects for the customer. Well, what are your hobbies? Uh, too many. Yeah. Uh, you know, I enjoy on a personal level. I enjoy cars, but uh, you know, obviously, guns, anything outdoors, hunting, fishing, spending time with the kids and the family, is the forefront. But I would say my more important hobbies are probably revolving around shooting and hunting. So. Yeah. They were like sit down like every now and again i'm like why, why do i have so many hobbies like because everything is interesting to me mm -hmm. like anything you can tinker with but then they're all super expensive you know i'm not like into like metal detecting or something like that like nothing nothing cheap yes nothing boring <laughs> exactly <laughs> maybe that's how they get you because if it's exciting it's expensive maybe yep well and if you want to do it right it's usually never cheap that's true well, so usually this questionnaire from here is about cars, but we're going to do about cars and guns. And then Sam and I are going to join in because me and Sam have probably never done this either. Hmm. Definitely we, not on the podcast. And uh, we may, we'll just do the gun part because otherwise right. we're getting a huge tangent, but Cody will do the car and gun part. Sure. So what was your first car and your first gun? So my first car was a, 1992 Chevy S10. Nice. Uh, Dad found it. One of his customers had it sitting out in a horse pasture, uh, blown head gasket. The horse had chewed on it, and it was <laughs> previously wrecked. So if it wasn't waxed, you could see the two different colors of red paint. Fair enough. Okay. Um, we called it the Red Rocket. <laughs> Which, why not? Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Why wouldn't you? Uh, it was a manual. It did not have air conditioning. Um Great, great, great little vehicle. Uh, Dad helped me rebuild the engine on it and get it get it up and going. And I drove it for probably a good year, but then after I got another vehicle, I, I kept it around and drove it periodically. So was it four wheel drive? No, oh. two wheel peel. No. Had a bunch of sandbags in the back during the winter time. Oh yeah, <laughs> I got real good at uh, talking on the phone and eating or drinking while driving a stick shift. It worked pretty good. So it's not easy to do. Most millennials cannot even yeah. drive a stick shift, let alone or talk even on. know what it is. Right. So fortunately, uh, with with my dad, he taught me how to drive a stick and stuff a long time ago. So it worked out. 
So what was your first gun? So the first gun I was gifted was a Marlin Model 60 22. It, I don't think you could shoot it three times without it jamming. It, yeah. It was, just, it was a Marlin Model 60, you know, what they're known for. Shot a lot of rounds through that thing. Um, and at one time had a shortened stock. Dad had bought an extra stock for it, shortened it down. It actually did better with the full length stock. Why? I couldn't tell you because Model 60s aren't my thing and I don't really care. Um, <laughs> yeah, those but, are like uh, the cheaper ones or the mags under yeah, the, the... the tube fed magazine. Mm-hmm. I think it'd hold 13 or 15 rounds, something like that. Yeah. And uh, it had a Simmons fixed four power on it, I think. Garbage. Like it looked <laughs> like you were looking through fog. Yeah. It was terrible. <laughs> but at the age of like five, it was the best thing in the world. So. Oh, why? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Exactly. You know, um, and I think dad said he gave 60 bucks for it. Yeah, I can see that. So, very fitting. So Very good. I think the first gun I purchased was a Model 700 Remington and 223. Okay. That was like my first me purchase, mm-hmm. you know, all so by you myself. had to get it so you could go Kyle hunting. Yeah, yeah, and so, do whatever with yeah. it. It was actually kind of impractical. It was a heavy, long barrel. It wasn't something you could <laughs> tote around and do much with. It's all about the accuracy, you know. Do you still have either one of those? I do have the Model 60. The uh, 700 was chopped up and built a little bit more of a custom platform rifle on. So, But do you still have that receiver? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Nice. So, cool. That, that was like, you, it's been rebuilt, but you still have it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So, my first gun that was given to me was a Remington 870 20-gauge youth that had a shotgun barrel and an open sight slug gun barrel. So after hunting with a few years, I'm like, I need a scope. So I saved up. I bought a Leupold 3x9 scope for, I think I gave $100 for it, used. And I bought one of those saddles because mine didn't have. And, dude, I I don't know how many deer slugs I shot through that trying to get it sided in and grouped. And going out to Clarence, the gunsmith, you know, when he was out in the country. And we would, like switch the pins out for screws and blah, blah, blah. And he was just like, I just don't think like, it's just not going to get any better than this. You know what I mean? <laughs> Live with it. And, uh, so I just pulled closer, I pulled that barrel off and put it on co-signment at Miller guns back when they were in town. Okay. And I bought a cantilever barrel mm-hmm. and then hunted with that a couple of years of my, that was my wife's gun for a while, but I still do have that gun. And then the first gun that I bought myself. So, do you remember you, you were probably 13 ish? But when I was 16 years old, there was a gun shop in Draves called John's Guns. Yep. And me and Ryan and Cody Martin would go in there every day after school. Almost every day we would go in there. And he had the big gun Bible. Every day we'd look, what's the fastest cartridge there was? And he would sit and flip through that. And we'd say, what's the, what's the biggest there is? You know, all, and then we'd sit there and read about the 700 Nitro Mag and all that stuff. So we were, I mean, we were 16. So we went in there all the time. And then the day I turned 18, I bought a, um, I wanted a high-powered rifle. But my dad said I didn't need to buy one because he already had a 223 and I could use it anytime I wanted. Needed to save my money. So his cousin had a 22 Hornet 
when we went coyote hunting one time, he's like, oh, this 22 Hornet's great. Like, you don't, you can shoot without earplugs and, you know, all this stuff. And just sold me on it. I just, 22 Hornet was what I needed. So I, I bought, the day I turned 18, I bought that. Actually, before I turned 18, I had him order it. And then when I turned 18, I went in there, filled out the paperwork, all that stuff. And uh, I bought an H&R single shot. And I wanted the one with the super heavy barrel and like the 223s and the 243s, you know, like the ultra slugger. You can switch stuff. barrels out on them. Yeah. Well, this came in and it had a pencil barrel. And I was like, oh, and I'm like, you like, there goes it's all about hood. looks. Yep. You know what I mean? And I got a bull barrel. It, it don't matter how good it shot. And, you know, I just, I just wanted, I just wanted a bull barrel. So I was like, uh. I think it might have even had iron sights on it. And I was like, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, whatever. So, so did he order the wrong one or did you just not know what you were ordering? I don't know if they made a 22 Hornet and a big, long, heavy barrel. They probably didn't. Okay. That's probably the only don't one need they it. had. And, um, I didn't reload and I found out 22 Hornet ammo even back then was super expensive. So I bought, Back then, you could buy brass on eBay. So I bought a bunch of brass on eBay, way overpaid for it. Um, I bought a whole reloading setup from Cabela's. I had my dad order it. Was it like the little bitty tray with the dipper? and Yeah. Like, uh, so it wasn't actually a press? No, was it was it? a press. Okay. It, they had a, um, it was like, I think it's called the Challenger. Mm-hmm. So the, the press, I still have it. I broke it, but I still have it because you can get parts for it, but... Like on an RCBS, when you get to the top, it cams over. This doesn't cam over. So depending on how hard you pushed on it was how... I I didn't know nothing about shoulder setback or nothing back then. But like when I was measuring case overall, depending on how hard you pushed on it, how far your bolt would go in. And um, I read somewhere online that... So it was the, the little press that doesn't actually mount. Yeah, they it, make one that they doesn't. That no, doesn't it wasn't. Mount. It's not that. It, okay. it mounted on. It mounted on the table. Um, I can. But Cabela's had Lee had a kit that had a primer, the powder drop, um, no scale. Oh, the scale was a balance beam scale. Yep. Balance beam scale and everything's plastic as hell. So I bought that, and back then there was no reloading information on the internet. Yeah, so never book. Somehow I found a book, or I'm made a copy of somebody's book for 22 Hornet. And I wanted to shoot 55 grain VMAX, which is not anywhere close to what a Hornet's designed for. It, like it shoots too slow and all this. So I found out somewhere that um, I think it's John Seamer told me the best powder there is, is little gun for a 22 Hornet. So I bought me a pound of little gun and 55 grain VMAX, about 100 of them, about 100 primers, and one pound of powder, and I, I was in business. A pound will last you a while on a Hornet. Yes, I, I think it, I'm wanting to say it was around 12 grains only. And you probably powder. paid about $18 a pound for I it. I did, I did. <laughs> it was cheap, but John Seamer was trying to get me to shoot a 40, they made a 45 grain round nose bullet for a Hornet. And he's like, this is what you need. I was like, no, not like it ain't got a plastic color tip on it. It's got a plastic (laughs) cover. He's like, well, those aren't going to expand. And I was like, whatever, old man, you're a crazy old man. Like, don't talk to me. So um, 
hindsight, I didn't realize Little Gun is super sensitive on max loads. Like, you can be okay. Like, I didn't know how to read primers or anything. So, you know, and, many do. and I was trying to make this 22 Hornet shoot like a 223. So <laughs> it was so hot, the brass would stick in the chamber. And I remember I went, I took it coyote hunting. So I was all, I was, took it coyote hunting so many times and I missed so many coyotes with it. But the problem is when you would shoot once, the brass would stick in it. So you were done for the day. And, you know, you try to find a stick to jam down the barrel, but finding a, 22 caliber stick or less is just not it's a thing 20 inches long or yeah, better it's 20 inches long so <laughs> i was straight so i was obviously not smart enough at the time to bring a cleaning rod <laughs> that why so, yeah why? so i would shoot one time miss a coyote and then have to drive home and knock the casing off <laughs> <laughs> the only thing i can figure is a i probably wasn't trimming them right because the how hard I was pushing them, and there's no shoulder really, because it they would grow like crazy. So I was either not trimming them right, or I was just shooting them entirely too hot, or both. The combination of it could have been a combination of both. So I had I was super jazzed uh, to make it a 22k Hornet, and then I ended up just selling it. I think. Just long gone. I bought, huh? I bought a tw- 243 WSSM in the parking lot of the gun shop from Rodney Brown. Do you know him? Don't oh, know the I guy. I figured you'd know him. Uh, is he from He's... Deuce Straws area? Yes. Okay. I do. I think I do know he him. He does a lot, of, or at least used to do a lot of like varmint shooting and mm-hmm. stuff. Yep. I think so. he's come shoot our bowling pin shoot a couple times. Yeah. He's, he's super tall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Samuel... I got kind of long-winded on that, but I was just, man, I was hitting nostalgia big time. Hey, you're, you're, you are definitely poisoned by nostalgia over yeah. there. Uh, so I'm, I've got a list here on my phone. I'm trying to find the brand name of it. But the first gun I was gifted uh, was that 44 caliber black powder revolver. Oh, okay. Um, so <clears throat> my dad was like given this gun by somebody he did some work for and uh this old lady or whatever her husband died and she was like do you uh do you want to take this or whatever and he's like i don't want it and i i mean how old i was was like well i want it you know so your dad was, gave you a pistol yeah so uh, i'm I, black powder black powder cartridge no 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 that's like no. a muzzle yeah, loader. like yeah, a like you have to yeah. like, like a flint lock yeah i'll show it to you when we're done it's pretty cool it's the one where you put the cylinder you put everything in the cylinder and the gun has where the lever comes out and you load it okay at the bottom so of the it's gun. it's like a, i don't remember them i was trying to look it up happen ball i think they call that it's uh it's a you get too old and I I lose interest and I don't so know a lot it's, about it. It's a reproduction of a Navy Colt. So like yep. the original Colt revolver was a metal frame and the Navy is a brass frame. So I didn't didn't know anything about guns because my dad's not a gun guy. I never had guns growing up or whatever. So this is the first thing I ever got. So I went to uh, Gander Mountain in Terre Haute okay. and I got the black powder. I got a powder measure. I got the blasting caps, uh, percussion caps, and some 44 caliber lead round balls. round balls and the wads and the bore butter and all the stuff. Oh, man, the bore butter. And uh, 
this thing uh it is a it is it is fun like can you hit anything no <laughs> well define anything like i could hit that wall I've, over there i've tried to shoot it several times and we've never got it to go off oh so it, it needs <laughs> at it, least with him you may have back when it yeah, was at, at this point it's it needs like not restoration but all the nipples need to come out and get ultrasonic clean and everything so anyway you take you can take the cylinder out and then you measure your powder out into all six cylinders and then you put the little wads in and then you put it back in the revolver in the frame and you spin the the cylinder around and there's a lever underneath the barrel that you pull down and it pushes the ball down into the cylinder and it packs the powder charge and seats the ball in the cylinder and then you take a little blasting cap, percussion cap, you put it on the, each nipple. Like the old cap guns. That exactly. The, exactly. Yes. And then it's single action, and you pull the hammer back, aim, pull the trigger, and about this much time, the hammer comes forward, smacks the percussion cap. <laughs> then you wait another. Then you wait another what feels like eternity. <laughs> like you're about to turn and look down the barrel like, is anything coming out this thing? And then a huge cloud of white smoke, and then some recoil, and yeah. then... Nothing gets hit downrange, but it is. You really got to have your 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 flinch under control for the. Yeah, fun. absolutely. It, but it is an so it is cold. a it is a blast issue. And now I after talk I want to go shoot it like right now. Like let's go see if we can get this sucker to go off because it is so much fun. And then you don't know if you hit anything for another thirty seconds because you got to wait for literally the smoke to clear. But you feel like a wild wild west cowboy because like in all the old John Wayne movies, like each gun going off just. Like huge clouds of smoke come out of these guns. That's why they shot on their horses so that they could ride through the ride smoke, smoke. exactly quicker. So you probably better off shooting off horseback. Probably better <laughs> off hitting something. But You're gonna uh, run at it. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that was the first one I was gifted. And the first one I bought was like probably the month I turned eighteen. I wish I could remember the name of the gun shop, but it was on Broadway in Matt Tomb, um, right across from uh, where Little Mexico was at. Um, it had kind of a catchy name. It did. I don't remember what it was now, but it, it was a, it was a, just a little tiny gun shop. I mean, he had like one countertop gun case with like 10 pistols in it. And then one, like those like old grandpa, like white tail deer wood glass front gun cabinets with some long guns in it. And then he had like some pegboard behind the counter with like five or six more guns sometimes those are the best but uh so me and joe tut would go in there like you did every day after school and just hang out and talk about guns and do gun stuff all the time and then when i turned 18 i bought a remington 870 police magnum with the walnut stock with the uh i don't know what, what i don't know what's called but it's like the the ring style forend so instead of mm -hmm. having like the wingmaster like checkers, it's, it's just ribbed for pleasure. It's ribbed. It's ribbed for your pleasure. Yeah. So <clears throat> it was a oil rubbed walnut stock, and we growing up. I think I've talked about this maybe before on the podcast, but we didn't know how good we had it because Joe's uncle, I can't remember what he did for a living now, but he had a crap ton of money, and he had a little cabin out in the woods out at Trilla, and. He had a range set up in his cabin and there was a, like a, I don't know, probably 10 by 20 shed there on this concrete pad. And 
at the concrete pad, there was like a rifle rack and a picnic table. And then inside the shed, a little roll up door, there was a pallet of, um, Remington, whatever dove loads or whatever. And a pallet of white flyer, uh, clay pigeons, clay pigeons and a, uh, mech i think yep. reloader. mech reloader no not not not, not mech then uh the thrower okay um, but they may have made a thrower i don't yeah, know they might have. uh anyway this was the uh, it had the tilt and the wobble and the it had the report doubles had a controller had a foot switch had all the things and it was on this little doll you wheel it out there stack like a whole box of pigeons in it and uh it was a fancy one. Oh yeah and like you would uh you could set up different modes, but like it would, it would change direction. It would go up and down and left and right. And you setting it behind, you wouldn't know where the next pigeon was coming from. And every weekend from the time I was 18 to the time I was probably 22, 23, we would go out there and you just like leave a five for a box of shells, leave a five for a box of pigeons in this little coffee can inside the thing. And I'd hate to know how many rounds I shot through that 870. And I shot so many rounds through it that it is like just the oil in my hands have rubbed that stock and like worked that stock. And it's shiny like this part of the table over here. And uh, if, if I if I've put 10 rounds through that thing, I put 5,000 rounds through that gun. And maybe more. I don't know. Back when you could afford to do it. Yeah, no exactly. Shells yeah. were $4 a box at Walmart. Yeah. You could buy double A's for six twenty five. So uh anyway, that that's that is my first gun I purchased and I still own it. Still own both. Nice. Cool. Well, what got you into cars and guns, Cody? Well, for cars, I mean I growing up with a dad that's been a mechanic for well, I guess probably just shortly out of high school, uh, when he started wrenching and racing and doing that kind of stuff. Uh, I kind of grew up, when I got old enough, I would go hang out at the shop with him. I'd bring a four-wheeler or something to work on in the summertime while he was doing his thing, working on cars. But uh, that's kind of how I got my start there. Um, at a young age, he always had me fixing my own stuff. You know, basically, it's a good good, good quality or a good trait to have if you can kind of fix your right. own things. Um, guns, kind of the same way he... It, I was a little older. Um, obviously, he started me young with a 22 and moved on from there. But uh, he, he kind of, dad kind of picked up collecting a few revolvers. He's kind of a big lever gun and revolver guy. And as I kind of got older, I progressed into, you know, enjoying guns a lot more and uh, took it to the next level. And then shortly after accuracy started, I, you know, started working for those guys and it just went. I guess you could, say, you could say uphill, downhill. I don't know what's proper, but <laughs> it went a direction. Yeah, it went a direction from there. Um, and now it's kind of everything. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, well, my, my answer on what got me into guns was basically the same thing my dad did. Yep. You know, he was always hunting. We hunted and, and guns kind of trip the same trigger as hot rodding i think you know it's a mechanical thing you try to make better and makes loud noises and it uh you know you find a lot of guys who are in the cars are also in the guns and vice versa yep. 
it's red blooded American stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. What got you into it, Samuel? Joe? Uh, Joe. Joe. So he was a good friend of mine all through middle school and high school. And uh going out and hanging at his house, his dad uh was a big gun guy and was into a lot of classic like military type stuff and was into like army surplus and he was like a prepper before prepper was kind of cool or mainstream at all. And, uh, he, I always thought it was cool cause he had this great big gun safe in his office. And then Joe had his own gun safe in the garage, Ooh. you know? And, uh, like we just make a practice out of like just pulling a rant, like just be like, Tim, go get us a gun. And he'd just pull out like a, I don't even know, like the most random fucking, like military gun or a, he had a uh, uh, 10 millimeter 1911 that I thought was just, Oh, cool man, shit. Uh, yeah. now you got dozer. Uh, <laughs> He's wanting one. And uh, we would just, we'd, we'd pull them out. He'd talk about them and we'd take them apart to see how they worked and clean them and put them back together and put them back in the safe and do it again next week. You know what I mean? So that's, that's pretty much what which, I had that revolver first and I didn't, I, I just, it was just sitting in my dad's sock drawer for like, five years before I even got to play with it. But, mm -hmm. uh, that I didn't, that didn't really get me excited until I started hanging out with somebody who actually shoots guns. And my dad hasn't shot anything since he was like my age, basically just on the farm type stuff. So, uh, yeah, I'd say it was Joe that got me into guns. Nice. So what is your favorite car and gun you have owned? Hmm. Well, Car-wise, short of my buggy that I built a couple years ago, I did have a car back in college that was really cool. And it really wasn't. <laughs> We've all had them. Yeah. Uh, I got one, one my, right now, PT Cruiser. Well, one of my friends loved it. And my favorite part about it was it had the auto seatbelts. You didn't have to put your seatbelt on. Oh, it man. Was great. That, that and pop-up headlights are two things yeah. the auto industry needs to bring back. And... Uh, I don't even remember what year. I think it was in the 90s, maybe like a 97, but it was a Nissan Maxima four-door. And they considered it a four-door sports car. So on the side of it, it said 4DSC. And I caught, I caught hell for that thing. But it was it was a riot. It was one of them cars that was so cheap. You just, you get in it, you stand on the gas pedal and just go, you know, right, you know. Red, red line, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's cheap. It's just going to get me there. It didn't have a speedometer. So in the dash I had taped, uh, at cruising speeds or sorry, at cruising RPMs, you know, about what my speeds were for like, I don't know. I had three or four different marks. So if I was, you know, at real low RPMs, I knew I was in like a five mile an hour range, you know, mm -hmm. of, of where I was. And I, you know, I don't know that I ever got pulled over for speeding in that car. Surprise! It's not a bad looking car. I would take this. Let me see. Yep. I would Let take. I would take this vintage Maxima over like an 08 Maxima. <laughs> nice. It, it almost it looks European. It kind of looks like a, a Sentra almost, yeah. like a Nissan Sentra, which would have been the two door version of that car. I'm guessing. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And if, if nobody here believes in, uh, like the ozone machines, when I acquired that car, a, someone allowed a cat to live in it for a while and it stunk horribly. Couldn't get it out. Tried cleaning it. Somebody's like, Hey, throw this ozone machine in there. 
overnight it was a, it was a game changer the smell was gone and my now wife would actually not complain from sitting in it <laughs> yeah uh i'm i am a kool-aid drinker of the ozone machines for sure because i grew up working with the mold and fire damage restoration guy and that was he had one the size of this table that like if you had smoke damage in your home yep that's how it would that's how you'd remediate the smell it worked yeah i believe in them i i use the ozonics deer hunting and i, don't I know buy into that but oh, i do believe they work no I'm, <laughs> it works like you just don't get smelled yeah i mean you you can't sit there and smoke a cigarette and eat you know eat something that's stinky but like if you're kind of spray down wash your clothes and then use one of those like you just don't get blowed at i would i would say more so than run it in the blind if you put one in your closet in your garage where all your hunting clothes is at i think that would help more than anything i think a lot of them do it in like a tote or a bag <laughs> yeah they make a bag you can that has the machine in it gotcha but what's your favorite gun oh all of them the ones that go bang yeah i tell you what one that uh i grew up shooting a lot and it was actually i guess you could say bought for my mother you know one of them one of them reasons for a guy to buy another gun right buy right. It for your wife yeah. or your mom or oh, whatever yeah. uh was a browning bl22 a little lever action 22 um just some pretty good little iron sights on it and i could grab it today and just have a blast with it so i mean i've got some pretty cool guns that one stands out you know it's it's just a quality built good shooter a lot of memories with it yeah very good well i would say now now let's let's preface this is this that you currently are in possession of or ever of all time i guess ever of all time okay all right so this could, go, this could go on all night. Yeah, well, this is the favorite. So this is a hard question to, to answer because just like vehicles, I love and leave a lot of guns. Oh, yeah. So one that sticks out in my mind is my very first gun I ever shot in my whole life. I was five years old. was my grandpa's Nylon 66 Remington 22. Which is super freaking cool. So they're, um, they're kind of you know, sought after now. So if they're in good shape. I now I now own it. It was it was gifted to me as he was cleaning out his guns and uh I ended up with it and but I think I would sell that gun before I sold my seventeen Hornet and C Z my I have a C Z five twenty seven and seventeen Hornet and I think that is my favorite gun. Okay. I would sell every gun in my gun safe. Dozer believes that 17 Hornet could shoot anything in North America. I'm just, yeah, just throwing I that mean, out there. Okay. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of use too much gun versus not enough. Okay. Uh, I wanted one that was a little bit smaller around my house, and I've killed so many coons and possums, and I've killed three coyotes with it, and I just feel like I can't miss. In fact, I you know, it may sound cliche, but like I do not think I've ever missed an animal with it. Like okay. it's just your next one. Yeah. It it may be. I actually took it daytime Kyle hunting a couple weekends ago. I mean it I I hand load for it, it shoots five shots and you can cover them up with a nickel and it's just amazing. No recoil, shoot without earplugs. And maybe I'm just a weird guy for like old like rimmed cartridges, but uh that's probably my favorite. And plus CZ quit making them, so kind of rare. Yeah. So Fair don't enough. sell it. 
No, I'm not gonna sell it. I would, I would, if I had that or my grandpa's nylon sixty six, I would probably sell that nylon sixty six, mostly because it's worth a lot more money, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, what about you, Samuel? So by far, my favorite is my eight seventy, and I've said, I've said since forever, if my house was on fire and I could grab one thing, it'd be that eight seventy. I, I I just I don't know. It's just it's it, back when they probably still made quality ACs. Yeah, it probably still has a steel trigger guard. It does with a Clarence Funiman trigger job. Oh <laughs> man! Oh yeah, it's it's it it's just it's just it's been there my whole life. It's just sweet. Like I don't plan on having kids, but that would be like an heirloom. You know what I mean? It would mm-hmm. be something I would pass down. And I don't know. Maybe girlfriend's nephew might end up with it. I don't know, but. Anyway, I uh, I will say on my first 870 had a Clarence Fundamental Trigger job as well. You you're the one that talked me into the Clarence Fundamental Trigger job. And my dad's 870 has one. It makes a big difference when you're trying to shoot slugs. So, it uh man, I I am just in love with that thing. Second place is my Garand just because I we've talked about this before like functional pieces of history just just get me going like something it's on the list i don't have yet so like it's 1945 vintage like name anything else in this world that's 70 years old 75 years old that you can just go grab and it just fucking works and it works well and it works really well you know what i mean like old cars you're driving a piece of history old guns you're shooting a piece of history. I don't guess that being manufactured in 1945, it killed any Nazis, but in my mind, it was on its way to the front line, you know, before maybe it was going, you know, to the Pacific theater to kill some Japs or something, but I don't, I don't know. It it's, it's cool. Can, can we, can we just sidebar for a minute while you're talking about that and just briefly and probably extensively discuss the Mosin Nagat <laughs> Because I remember at that John's gun shop in high school, there's a rack of them, $89 a piece. Yeah, you, I'd and say they're probably, depending on what they are now, I'd say two to four, five hundred, depending yeah. on what. So I, off of Joe, bought a hexagonal receiver Mosin, which is like a 1935, 36, something like that, which is a really early one. And it still has Cosmoline on it. And. That fucking thing. Have fun getting that off. It's just staying on it. I shot at the sportsman's club a ram at 500 yards. <laughs> yes. It's got, it has a rear sight aperture that slides for, for meterage, <laughs> I guess. And we had that sucker on the thousand meter setting and you, you're literally pointing at the fucking <laughs> sky. It's like artillery at that point. And like, I couldn't even really see what I was pointing at, but in three shots, we walked it in. And the coolest part is watching the vapor trail through iron sights when you're shooting 500 yards. And then you hit, you see the impact, then you hear the impact, yep. and then you see the ram fall over. That was Those the Mosins weren't terribly accurate with some of the most garbage ammunition out there. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's a cool gun too, but it's not in my top three because after the grand it's my 14 inch rough rider 22 <laughs> revolver 
<laughs> only oh, because God. only because Dozer's son has a new nickname for me. Long barrel slam. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Where? I think I saw a Snapchat of that guy. <laughs> I'm so disappointed. Dozer didn't buy one either. It was like on. It was on like Rural King's website for something, and like giving them away because they couldn't sell. Yeah, them. and I, 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 I text, I text <laughs> Troy because the on 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 uh, the Rural King website says not for sale in Illinois, not for sale in Illinois. Well, melting I, pot law. Yeah, so I don't know if it got repealed or whatever, but I just text Troy. I was like, "Can you even sell these?" He's like, "Yeah, I sell them all the time. That law is bullshit or whatever." I was like, "Okay," and he's like, "You want one?" I was like, "How much?" And he told me it was like. $10 more than Royal King's website. And I was like, fuck it. Get me one. And then I text Dozer and he's like, ah, better not. <laughs> and now he regrets it. Cause it's fucking cool. I would have loved that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then, so, and then they had the Wyatt Earp, uh, carbine. That's the same frame and barrel with a, uh, rifle stock on it. And I was like, you need to get the, it's got Wyatt's fucking name on it. You need to, but it was like fucking $500 uh, for a rough rider. Yes. So I have a, um, mental issue when it comes to guns. Okay. I will not buy a gun for fun, for fun. I buy all my guns have a use for practical purpose. It's gotta be a pack. And I, I know that comes from my father and that was like, Oh, you can't, why buy two rifles when you have one rifle and it does fine? And, and like, that's where it comes from. So every gun I ever bought, I had to like gaslight myself into buying it. Like, well, <laughs> I really need this because of, of this. And I only buy guns for fun. That's right. And so, <laughs> yeah. Or for cheap. Or for cheap. Yeah. So, and then I do get jealous of Sam because Sam has some super cool and like fun to shoot guns, like guns you could never hunt with or and they would never even probably hit a target, but they are fun to shoot. Like a Navy Colt revolver. Yes. So let's talk about what is your least favorite gun that you currently own? I currently uh, own? I might need a second. You can, we'll come back to you. Usually if it's least favorite, I don't own it. Which I, I have a rule that I don't sell guns, but I have one gun that I would sell. Uh, I don't have that rule. My, my least favorite... Uh, okay. All right. So my wife mm. didn't listen to this anyway. So I was the the whole like boomer fanboy, like had to have a 1911. Well, duh. Man. Two world wars. That's right. <laughs> so uh, uh, what was the gun shop west of town by the lake? Um, Habing. Yeah, Steve Habing had a gun shop. And he had a three-inch 1911. Okay. And that's when Illinois Concealed Carry was coming out. And I was like, this is it. A three-inch 1911 is the concealed carry gun. gun. Oh, yeah. So uh, my wife, who had zero money, whenever we got married, she's like, what do you want for a wedding gift? And I said, well, I had I had given her some money to pay bills in college. And I was like, you owe me $400. (laughs) (laughs) So you might as well buy this $650 gun and $450 of it be you paying me back and 250 can be my wedding gift. So, or interest. Yeah, or whatever. I don't... <laughs> what a dick. He, 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 back. He, what the hell? He has to justify yeah, it. Remember, we I talked gotta, about this. You know, we're, we're holding... back and write down all the things I've paid for yeah. for my wife. We oh, to, shit. <laughs> we need to... You know, it's... 
you know, we ain't raising no liberals. We're going to keep them accountable. That's <laughs> right. I mean, if you, if you owe someone, you owe someone. Why? you remember those chicken nuggets that I said we couldn't get, but I let you get at Walmart the other day? That's coming out of your college. You owe me five bucks. <laughs> you owe me five dollars. It's like that, that one internet meme when they were talking about, like, my dad just got Venmo and he just requested 50 bucks for T-ball <laughs> lessons in 1993. Hell yeah. <laughs> um... But yeah, that gun, I it's not worth a shit for carrying. It's so heavy, it takes two people to carry it. It's all steel. It does not cycle anything but full metal jacket ammo. You know, just 1911s doing 1911 shit. <laughs> yeah. but I, Low easy. But I, <laughs> but I what, what brand is it? <laughs> it's some Turkish bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> Regency or Regent uh, or something ATI, like that. I think. Oh, yeah, that's garbage. <laughs> hey. <laughs> That's a so, nice gun. <laughs> but that uh that gun sits in my uh safe in my bedroom and I don't I couldn't tell you the last time I pulled the trigger on it. I I I would be rid of it and trade it for a Glock that I could actually But it carry. was your wedding gift. It was my wedding gift. So mm. I, you know, it's one of those like you ever have something you're like, this is what I need, then you get it, you're like, this is not all what I thought it was time. gonna be. All the time. A WJ? <laughs> yeah. Definitely not. So, Do not recommend zero that, out of ten. That's my least favorite gun, I would say, unfortunately. Okay. Mine is my JTS 12 gauge AK 47. Yeah. Never shot it. So, um, I heard, well, are those, like, I remember Travis had one and, like, it wouldn't cycle anything but, like, three inch shells. Sega used to make one. Yeah. They did and they were expensive. Mm-hmm. And probably because they maybe worked. They probably did. But <laughs> so it was like Black Friday a couple of years ago, and Palmetto sends you an email every day. Well, on Black Friday, send an email. Hey, here's a every hour. Yeah. Here's a AK 47 that shoots 12 gauge for $190. I was like, fuck it. Sign me up. <laughs> what could go wrong? So I, <laughs> I fucking bought it, and it says shoots Sega mags. I was like, great. So I bought a Sega 25 round drum because like, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. And it showed up. I went and picked it up at Troy's and the Sega mag does not go in the JTS gun. Turns out it shoots Sega straight mags. Not it, does, it does not use it like the, like, I don't know. Something about the, the top part of the magazine had, to, I, I don't know. So I sold the magazine and I still never shot the gun. It's still sitting in the safe upstairs. It pissed me off. Like, it might be the best shooting 12-gauge I've ever had, but it's, it's fucking pissed me off. No, it's not going to be. And then I started reading a bunch of reviews online. Like, it's got an adjustable gas block on the front, and, like, each individual load and shot size and dram and fucking length of cartridge, you got to change your fucking gas block. Like, no thanks. Yeah, I remember when Travis was shooting his Sega, he was, like, adjusting on it the whole time, and it still only shot high brass shells. Yeah. So that gun's for sale. DM me. I will uh, meet you at the uh, local gun shop, and we'll get her transferred over to you. I would say <clears throat> mine is probably one that I bought for my wife. It's a Walther. I'm trying to think of. Is it the PK380? Little handgun. It shoots good. It's very light recoil. It's good for a female but the controls on it are just backwards. So typically any, any handgun with a safety, you would push down to take it off. No, this one you push up to take Hmm. it off. It's totally not ergonomical. 
And then the mag release button is like a, a part of the trigger guard and it hinges. It, it's garbage. Um, but I bought it for her for Christmas. Like, I think it was our second Christmas together. Well, it's British, so you... And so I, I can't get rid of it. It also has a really great backstory. Um, I had already planned on buying it. It came in a nice black case and it didn't say Walther on the case. So I may or may not have told her that I got on some adult website <laughs> and ordered her something for Christmas. It came in its own hard black case. We were at her parents. <laughs> opened the wrapper and it was a hard black case and she stared at me and she <laughs> wouldn't open it. And her parents are looking at me, looking at her like, what's going on? <laughs> And uh, like, come on, honey, open the case. got her to open it, and it was like the biggest sigh of relief you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> so, just because of the story, I can't get rid of it. Oh my god! Yeah, awesome. I did something similar to her when I proposed to her, also, but uh, you know, she's used to it now. <laughs> she's God bless she's, her. She's she's got to know you by now. Right? Oh yeah. Okay. Yep, yep. We're good now. So. What is your dream gun? Hmm. You skip the car? Or? Yeah, we're, I'm done with cars. <laughs> we're just, just, we're, we're, we have so I'm much gonna, more to talk I'm about. I'm going to tell you what my dream car is. Okay, because, yeah, you can. Yeah. Uh, Go ahead. That's what we're doing. Talking. But, uh, I don't. <laughs> gun wise, I, I don't know. I would love to own a, a large caliber, like a Barrett 50 cal, like the M107 or something of that nature. But Oh, yeah. That'd be cool. You know, it's just not really feasible. So until I maybe someday have fuck you money, I, I won't ever own one. Um, but but something like that'd be cool. I don't know. But this is this is money is no object type of question. Yeah, this is yeah. This is a hypothetical. I mean, man, I I don't know if I could pick one. Like there's so many, all of them. Yeah, That's exactly. the right answer. You know, all of them. Um, if, if I picked one, it would probably be something in the very large unobtainable or hard to obtain precision type rifle somewhere in that element. That's kind of my, like four sixteen shy tack. Yeah. Something like that. Something that not anybody really has and is, is big, you know, um, with the most absolute best and expensive scope I can put on it. So, there you go. Yep. Uh, but for my dream car, someday I might have it. I want a fully tube chassis Baja bug with A-arm suspension on the front, you know, 25 plus inches of wheel travel, LS powered. Nice. It may cost me 150 grand to go buy one, but. And does wheelies. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Like just on demand. Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter what gear you're in. Just hit the gas. 60 mile an hour push you know, the gas. Doesn't rear, rear engine wheelies all day long. Yeah. That'd be cool. So. Would be cool to put like Holly Terminator on that and set up some kind of uh, traction control because they can do traction control like no, with front the wheel speed. Controls, and... No. It's all about driver experience, Dozer. Oh, I see. Yeah. You got to feel it. Yeah. Oh, I got gotcha. I hate traction control and I hate analog brakes. <laughs> What a boomer. Yeah, I can drive better than that. <laughs> computer. Yeah, ain't no computer yeah. going to drive better yeah. than me. I'm a BBC. No, it does work. You're right. Those things do work, but I, I just don't like them. Oh, fair enough. So, fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's probably my dream car. All right. Hell yeah. I get behind that. Sam, what's your dream gun? So that's that's also pretty tough for me. So 
up until two years ago, it was a Barrett 50 cal. Um, but it's one of those things that first of all, don't have a place to keep it. Second of all, definitely don't have a place to shoot it. And you can't own one in Illinois anymore. Well, for now. <laughs> um, but but well, you could get a 416 or whatever that's based off of it. Yeah, or a smokeless muzzleloader that'll do just the same. Yeah. <laughs> so then we gave away on the Freedom 68 raffle an M249. Mm. And now I really want one of those. And I want to own that in a like diorama like coffee table like with a like all four like your dad's uh fawn coffee table that he's got or in table so like basically a coffee table with like a kind of like gravelly looking substrate on the bottom with this thing set up with a half spent belt and a bunch of spent cartridges all around it like all in resin and shit like in a coffee table and like in emergency case emergency break glass, like it's all live ammo. So it's got a full or belt minus a few rounds out on one side. And like, if the zombie apocalypse comes, you just bust the glass and just go unleash like, like it straight out of the movies. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that would be my dream. Gotcha. Dozer. I would say my dream is probably like a big 50 cal or like a 20 millimeter, you know, just something obscene. Yeah. Well, are we are we talking things that are even legal? Because like, if it wasn't legal, probably some sort of minigun, mounted, yeah. mounted oh, yeah. minigun. Oh yeah, like like having your class three or whatever, and have fully automatic toys. Just the other day, Wyatt, uh, we were we were walking out in the yard or something. He goes, Dad. I said, What? He goes, I wish we could have machine guns. I said, Oh, oh me boy, me too, bud. Me too. You're oh, not the so. only one. Here, here's what you need to do. All right. So at, at accuracy, we've got the licensure for some full auto stuff and we've got a handful of guns and I've allowed Hayden to shoot one of them so far. And now that's all he thinks he wants to have. I'm like, dude, we, we can't have those, but we can go shoot them. So yeah. the next time they have their shoot, you need to bring him by spend 50 or hundred bucks and let him burn a couple bags through it will make his day it's a good thing it's illegal because i'd be broke i'd be like oh, what yeah. are you doing like i'm spending my whole paycheck on ammo let's mm-hmm. go <laughs> yep. ordering nine mil by the pallet yes word <laughs> it up I, I my next like on the short list which everything on my list of stuff i want is illegal currently <laughs> so like i Welcome really illinois i really want uh m4 benelli real bad and i really Isn't want that- yeah, a shotgun. You can't, you can't have a pistol grip if it's if it's if it's semi-auto. Like that makes perfect sense. Anyway, <laughs> you uh, can have it. You just got to register it. You can't. You can't. Oh, wait, no, no, no. You're right. You're right. You're right. That's if you already have it. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I should know. And then <laughs> you're not a state cop. It's he's fine. super worried. Right. I don't care. And then uh, a Thompson. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. So I I need to complete my. We uh we do have one of those. I. I know Travis Jane's has one, or no, or it's part of the group of guys that owns one, or whatever. So, well, we have one at the shop. Oh, you guys have one too. Shoot. I, well, I was gonna show up to your guys's machine gun shoot the other day, but we'll do another one. Okay. Anyway, I need to complete my. I, I would say trifecta, but it's not a trifecta. My World War II collection. So I have the Grand, I have the Carbine, and now I need the Thompson submachine gun, and I would like to have, but can't afford a. World War II era, 1911. Ooh, you need a BAR, too. 
that well, at, and you need the Winchester made a trench gun. That's World War I. What's that? Oh, yeah, World War the, what is the 18, I still want, yeah, 1887 or 97. Yeah. That were the top fucking fold. But it was a pump, it was a pump with a hammer on it, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. 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 1887, I think. Anyway, I want one, but it's not part of the World War II collection. I understand. Okay. Gotcha. But yeah, a BAR, but then it get like, a, they're not reproduced. So you, like Thompsons are. Like you can get a Thompson. Yep. Um, Auto Ordnance makes them for like two grand. You can get them pretty easily. Can't afford a I, vintage. I know we're a uh, World War II, 1911, and Luger with a letter written by a soldier that said he took the Luger off of a German. I know where there's one at. But not for sale. Might be. Don't have that kind of. Everything's money. for sale. Everything's for sale, <laughs> I guess. So anyway. I uh, just, I mean, like, at, like every guy when he turns 30 has to decide if he's into smoking meats or World War Two. And you just pick both. I just pick both, yeah. Except I'm not that into smoking meats. I don't have the patience for Speaking it. Speaking of smoking meats, I got, people gave me mad shit for not having a smoker when we were butchering this cow. They're like, you <laughs> smoke up them short ribs and I don't have a smoker. You don't have a smoker. You could build one. I just, that's not something I'm going to get into. I'm just not going to because I'll just fucking go overboard. And before you know it, I'll be getting up at three in the morning, checking the fucking smoker on the deck in my underwear. And I'm, I'm just not going to go there. It's like life. PRS. You don't want to come shoot yeah, with me. Because I know how much I like it. It's, it's kind of like. Uh, it's like it's like meth. Not even once. Not even much even once. After every match that I shoot, I need another $500 piece of equipment. <laughs> A match a month gets very expensive. Oh, my so gosh. You just, uh, I seen you got first in your last match? Uh, not first. I, I, I won the class or the division that I shoot in. In his weight class. In your class yeah, in my factory? Class. <laughs> yeah. so it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, so it's. That's pretty, actually a thing because they do it by rifle weight, right? No, no. Oh. So there's no weight restrictions. Um okay. Fortunately, because weight's your friend. Right. Yep. So uh, I shoot the production class, so it's, it has rules. Um, it has to be a, essentially a factory gun. The manufacturer has to make, I believe, 150 of those a year minimum. Um, and then basically that's like the, the chassis or the stock and the barrel action or the trigger have to stay untouched. There's a dollar amount limit for that and the optic. And then... Little grips, muzzle brakes, weights, things of that nature. You can add that because that's kind of like personalization of it. Um, no, but for that match, that was like the best placement I've done so far since I started. That was a big pro series match. So there was a lot of like the biggest shooters across the country there. And I think I was 42 overall out of like 160. But nice. won my division. So. so I guess for the listeners and even me, supposedly and possibly Sam, I guess explain what PRS is. Well, PRS stands for Precision Rifle Series, but it's a precision rifle shooting sport. Um, anywhere from we shoot 300 to 1200 yards. Um, some of the one day matches are, you know, five, 600. Um, most guys can go shoot 500 yards prone. If you know anything about shooting, it's not, not that hard. Um, as you know, with coyote hunting, I mean, we shoot coyotes at three, 400 yards pretty Pretty regularly. Speak for yourself. Um, <laughs> anyhow, you've seen it done. <laughs> yes, to my uh, fucking amazement. Yeah. Um, 
Were you? How far did we shoot one when you were with like me? Like five twenty-five. Yeah, and, and you're Ky- like Kyle's a shooter. He's like, you're like five twenty-five. I'm like, these guys are fucking idiots. Boom, <laughs> boom, and I just watch it in my scope. The coyote's butt goes down and his head goes down. I was just like, holy shit! <laughs> it's fun. It's just because, at least in my scope, theirs have a little more zoom. In my scope, it just looks like two or three pixels. Right. Yeah. Um, shooting PRS help shoot coyotes a lot better and a lot more comfortably at distance for sure but anyhow so did you get into it to become a better coyote hunter or did you get into it because you hate money uh, (laughs) i i still blame uh nathan cushman um is that the same series he's in yeah yeah so now he's he's leaps and bounds ahead of me like he's in a different class or whatever he shoots open class um but cushman is very good um he hadn't shot since july and place i think 10th out of 160 in this latch match um he's just good uh either way so we shoot a lot of similar matches um he's a totally different level into it than i am but uh he's kind of the one that got me into it he wanted me to shoot the gap grind with him which is a pro-am match down in uh tennessee yeah so you're paired up with a pro you shoot it as a group they can help you but you can't help them type of deal we ended up getting like 15th i we both took home a free rifle that day or that weekend. Damn. Um, and I'm like, man, this is easy. No, it's, <laughs> it's not. It's easy when you have somebody good that's carrying you the whole time. Right. <laughs> um, you probably but, brought his score down or whatever. Oh, I did. Yeah. <laughs> you know, had I, but, but they keep it, you, you can't just jump into the, there's guys that try to game it, but you know, they keep it pretty, pretty strict rules. So you can't just bring somebody that's decent as a pro and then you're really going to win. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, a lot of the pros now will practice with their AMs all summer, but they won't shoot a match so that they don't have a score to rate them on. They're still gaming it. Anyways, um, he's good. He's kind of the one that got me into it. I kind of snowballed into it, as I know Dozer would, if I could just, just get him over there. Well, I feel like I've got most of the equipment. You've got enough to get your feet wet, um, and I'll loan you another scope to get your feet wet you're too good to me uh but uh it's like you want to borrow my crack pipe <laughs> i'll hold i'll hold the liner yeah yeah um but you know back to most guys and i could take anybody that's okay at shooting and at 500 yards my eight-year-old son can hit a 10-inch plate probably eight or nine out of ten times at 500 yards quit bragging no it's not what i'm getting at is it's not that difficult so where the prs is is it's a lot of different shooting positions barricades you're on the clock your first target may be at 375 yards and your last one may be at 1100 and you've got a minute and a half to do it all. Now, are you shooting paper or shooting steel? It's, it's or all steel targets. Okay, so yeah. you just have to ding it. You just have to hit it. Hit or, or hit or miss, you you know, well, I shouldn't say hit or miss. If you hit it, you get a point. If you miss, it's just a miss. It's nothing. You just wasted lead, basically. Gotcha. So, so <clears throat> is there like five targets, five shots, or is it like... So most stages are 10 rounds. Uh-huh. Um, there's occasional 12, but maybe one per match so most stages are 10 rounds one stage might be you know here is a cattle gate you got to shoot two rounds off of the top four rungs two rounds per rung and you're only shooting one target that's fixed at us it's everything's a known distance but that whole shooting off of a cattle gate with no other form of support is difficult and then you got to move to a different rung and before you know it 
you may be shooting off the rung that's 10 inches off the ground. I, I don't know if you know, but I'm like six, five and I don't get that low. I don't get that small. So it's just figuring out how to, you know, manipulate all the different positions and stages and huh. whatnot. So, but yeah, there could be one target. There could be, you know, five or well, typically no more than five targets. Um, and you may shoot each one twice, but it's a whole different array of, I, I encourage anyone to come watch it. If you think you want to do it, where's the closest one? So the one day matches, the closest ones are in, uh, over down by Evansville, Indiana. There is a guy down by Mount Vernon that's starting up some smaller one day matches. I'll probably go see how those are. Um, most of the one days are pretty cheap, 30 bucks, I think to get in and they're around a hundred rounds per day. So, I mean, Sam, you've got a six, five Creed more. You're basically there. Oh Jesus. And it's, you're going to get made fun of. I know. That's why I won't <laughs> even go. Cause not, like, not because of the gun, because of the cartridge. We need to, have- I know that's what I'm saying. Like everyone fucking hates on six, five. Like, First, a it's I got a it's a good round. A I fucking paid a hundred dollars for it. Number one, number two, I would not have bought it had I gone into a gun store to buy it. But I own it now, so I might as well shoot it. It's yeah. a Pika. Oh, those are good guns. I mean, I I want to go poke holes in paper with and it. It's got a Snipe Four scope on it. That's a Vortex. Oh, it's a, Vortex. It's a nice Vortex. Like a hunting barrel or a heavy barrel. Hunting barrel. You're going to want to have your barrel. It's got a loudener on it. (laughs) I think my match rifle weighs like 26 pounds. Yeah, this thing weighs 2.6. We can get you a teakage barrel for that. (laughs) They do make them. I know. It's it's like winter woodland camo. I just want want to go poke holes in paper. If If I'm building a rifle to do that type of shit, it won't. I shouldn't even bought one for caribou hunting. I should have just took that one. I told you you could fucking take it. Did you? I told I you. I, that. When the well, day I, I wouldn't be able to buy a gun. The, day I, bro- the <laughs> day I brought it home, you're like, you should let me borrow this and go kill an elk with it. I was like, take it anytime. You can have it. Take is a good gun. And you're like, oh, I might take you up on that. And then like two weeks later, two years later, you're like, oh, I'm going to go kill caribou in Alaska. I was like, you can take my 6.5. You're like, 6.5. <laughs> <laughs> Like, all right, noted. <laughs> <laughs> you did all right on that, Weatherby. So, yes, and I, I, it shoots really good. Uh, I officially have more money in ammo than I have in the gun. <laughs> it doesn't take long these no. days. $80 a box. Not at all. So my wife found out it's $4 a shot, and she's like, you give me a hard time about going and getting a coffee every day, but you're shooting a latte out the end of that gun every time <laughs> you pull the trigger. I'm like, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't need your truths right now. So on the PRS, do you, do you have to knock it down or just or just ring it so just just ring it there's they're really not <clears throat> excuse me they're really not like knockdown style targets they're um like they're all, so you guys don't set the fuckers up no every time. no yeah um and you, you know somebody in your squad will be spotting if not two of you and then s- most of the targets beyond 800 will have a flasher on them and it's just a red led light and it, it's attached to the back of the target and you can just barely see it. So when it hits, because when you get that far out and you're shooting a small six millimeter bullet, you can't hardly see the plate move. You can't hardly see splash on it if there's mirage. But if it if it detects a hit, that red light will flash. So gotcha. Yeah, you just gotta hit it. I would like to I would and like to go watch for sure. Yeah, come on down. I got one March twenty fourth down by Evansville. You and Dozer can uh Yes, I need to put my daytime scope on my. I, I'm one of those people. I don't go and watch shit. 
I, I yeah, go and do it. Well, I got an extra gun. Shoot six screen. I got it. I got a gun. You don't have a muzzle brake. You're gonna want one. Oh, are you serious? I'm dead serious. Oh, You're not gonna I'm... be able to see anything through your gun. I, I have somebody in my squad spotting though. But the the name of the game is spotting your misses, spotting your hits. I see. Wind is a thing. Oh yeah, I know they uh, they say um, elevation is a science. Wind is an art. Yeah, that wind is tricky. Yeah, I can see that. So. Uh, yeah. Interesting, but tricky. Um, yeah, I was going somewhere with that. Oh, knocking them down. Did you know for a brief moment in my life, and this will not surprise you, that I shot the black powder rifle cartridge competitions? That doesn't surprise me. So, with uh, your white muzzleloader? No, no, no. They were with the sharp. Yeah. And I called up Brad what, Smith. Forty-five seventy. Yes, forty-five seventy. I called up Brad Smith, and I was sixteen years old. Or 15, maybe. I think I was 15 because he had to give me a ride out there. And that is the only thing I wanted to do in my whole life was do that. So he came, I went over to his house. He showed me like all his reloading equipment and stuff. Super cool. He's like, if you come set up targets, you can shoot my ammo, my gun. I was like, oh, that sounds good. And I remember the, f- the first time I went out there, I shot like... I got like second place and they were so pissed because it's open sights and you got the like Quigley down under style fucking peeps. Yep. Peep. And they're like, you damn kids in your young eyes. You know, these are all 60, 70 year old guys. Yeah. And, and they're uh, out there all day. They're out there all day and they're, they're, they're loud. I mean, they're shooting like 700 grain lead bullets. And once again, artillery, they, they said at 500 yards, the bullet reaches treetop height. <laughs> I can believe it. Uh, so it, and you shoot on sticks. They got sticks they put in the ground and you put the, they got a piece of tape on the end of the barrel where you put your sticks every time. So you don't, you don't, you, the, the high powered rifle guy in me, you know, you don't want anything touching the barrel. These fuckers just lean the fucking gun right on the barrel, which I mean, it's like inch and a 16th by inch and a 16th octagon barrels. Like, I guess you're probably just not going to, Bend it. You're not going to... I don't think it, it moves much. No. And, you know, they're super low pressure. They're black powder rounds. I remember you'd shoot, and then you'd, you know, open up the breech. Brass comes out, and you had a piece of brass with a tube on it, and you had to blow in the barrel to... Because your spit would soften up the fouling. And then when you shot the second time, and I remember you had to do that every time, and and after shooting it two or three times and going out there. So we didn't have a four-wheeler, so I'd have to walk. 500 yards. 200, 300, 400, and 500, put these steel targets up, and then you had to spray paint them every time, too, because they hit, you know, when they hit them, that would leave a mark. So you would have to spray paint over them. So, I mean, it, it took like 30 or 40 minutes to set those targets up, and it was like just me, and I was like, this is... And I had to walk. It was terrible. Why didn't they have a four-wheeler? I I don't know. And why I didn't bring... I think I was like, Dad, can I bring yours? He's like, oh, hell no. Like, oh. <laughs> You're going to shoot a whole thing out, out, there, out there wasting your time. Even a bicycle would have been nice. Yeah. It was It was so finally... I, and then I got a girlfriend, and I was way more interested in other things than that. Duh. So I was. I ended up quitting on him. There's a lot of things that I'm less interested in than girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. 
Understandable. But yeah, that was, that was, but those you had to knock them off the rail. So if you hit them and they didn't fall, then didn't count. count. And at 500 yards, you had to hit them pretty good with a bullet traveling fucking 200 feet a second to knock them <laughs> off. Well, the a bullet, rail. it was a brick. Yeah. But you could go out there and pick the bullets up off the ground. Yeah. So the bullet would hit the steel target and just fall, and on, the just fall on the ground and like the nose would be bent a little bit. It <laughs> used this motherfucker. Yeah. Technology <laughs> is wonderful. Yeah, it really is. The old 762 by 54 didn't have no trouble. No. Yeah, they don't like you shoot them steel rams with modern <laughs> rifles. <laughs> I, I doubt it even left a mark, honestly. Well, maybe. I don't know. I mean, we honestly didn't think we'd do it, but. I mean, when they have them rams set up and you're out there at the 223, it's so it is pretty tempting. <laughs> We've all done it. Pretty tempting. So, something about shooting steel, just. Oh, yeah. I'm assuming those black powder cartridge silhouettes are not AR 500. Oh, they're I bet they're just, just mild, mild steel. Yep. But, uh, so yeah, I, uh, part of the expensive part of hunting is I got into, um, hunting coyotes at night. Hmm. And Cody didn't necessarily get me into that, but he definitely is, keeps the momentum going. He's an encourager. You know, I think I went with Repke the first time, but I've been, I went with you and Ryan a couple times. Yeah, I mean, me and Ryan... Before I had anything, before I had any scopes or anything. Me and Ryan started with, he bought a Bushnell night, digital night vision monocular, and we shot him, shot at them with lights. <laughs> So, and a lot of people like Repke killed quite oh, a few tiles with lights, but we never, we never connected, but we called them in all the time and you turn the light on, they just run away, which hindsight now, I know you have to keep the light on the whole time. So it's not something new. It's not that... something new. And then you've got like the bright part of your light and then you've got like the halo around it that's not as bright. You're, you're supposed to like use that until you're right ready to shoot them. Or you just buy a thermal. Yeah. Well then... We bought night vision, and my dad used to call us the um, the professors okay. because we all we did was educate coyotes. <laughs> and man, we would call in. I remember one time when we he had an an X site, and he didn't have a tripod. He was shooting off a fucking Primos fucking trigger quick trigger stick. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a tripod. It was a Night Stalker from Night Goggles. You know, the legs were about that big around. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we were up by Neoga, and we called in nine coyotes. And they came in, all nine of them. And, I mean, we just probably emptied our guns and killed one. <laughs> you know, it was the most. But, the, but if we would have had good stuff back then, it would have been a completely different. Well, it's know. like that's like anything, though. If you mm-hmm. had good, better equipment, yeah. how much different? You know what I mean? But, uh yeah, it's fun. It's it's addicting. The problem is, is just about the time you're ready to quit doing it because you're like, this is stupid. And, like, it's dumb. Then you have a really good night and kill a bunch. Yeah, boost and, your morale. And it's it's better than drugs. I mean, I guess I haven't done drugs, but it must not be better than drugs because I still have my job and shit in my life. <laughs> but it's it's pretty awesome. It's so fun. I, I saw an Instagram reel, like, coyotes, sure, whatever. I want to put a thermal on my 22. Oh boy. And go murder rats. There was an Instagram reel like guy was out in a fucking horse barn or something. And there was like 150 rats just running around. And he just like unloads on these motherfuckers, just killing the hell out of them with a thermal. 
I've seen guys do that with like pellet guns too. Okay. Yeah, videos of it. Yeah, there's a, you probably follow him, that Spike Davis. He does cartoons for Predator Masters or whatever, Predator Extreme. And he lives in Chicago, so he doesn't, his job does not pay him anything. He works for a mission as a car mechanic or like a church, and he works on people's cars all day for free. The church gives him food and housing. Okay. So he also is an excellent cartoonist. And he started drawing like cartoons for coyote hunting in one of the coyote hunting catalogs. Well, somebody sent him a pellet gun with a like a $1,500 thermal scope on it. Okay. And he like whacks and stacks rats up in Chicago <laughs> yeah. with it. And he like posts on Facebook all the time. You know, you like lay them out and stuff. You know, like guys do with their coyotes. And, yeah. And, you know, those scopes videos, so he's always posting videos. Like, he'll be sitting in an alley, and a rat will come out from, like, behind a dumpster. He'll shoot it. (laughs) Hell, yeah. Well, there you Uh, go. You need to get hooked up with him. Yeah. No, the only other thing that's really fun with thermals, and Dozer's been a part of it, is uh, taking boys, like our two boys, coon hunting. Okay. You just literally drive around on the side-by-side until you find a coon in a tree, and then you get off and let the boys shoot it. And they stick out. You know, and there is coons just everywhere. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you'll go coyote hunting. There'll be 10 coons in a field while you're hunting. But the, they had a competition, didn't they? How many? So we sh- we hunted. We hunted in one this year. It was pretty small. And where were we at? I think we were at 60, just over 60 between four guys in one night. Yeah. But the big one, they killed like 600. Oh, no, no, no. So the one that I hunted in a couple years ago that Cushman used to put on, uh, there was over a thousand coons brought in that that tournament. Yeah. There, and, there were truck beds mounded full of them, and, like, the, the suspension <laughs> wanted no more. <laughs> well, then the, uh, you know, the coon hunters, the guy who's, the guys who have dogs instead of thermal scopes were pretty upset over oh, the deal. Oh, yeah, they were. Yeah. But later, yeah, some of them don't even shoot them. They just want to tree them and work them. Well, and exactly. And we're trying to get rid of them for, you know, management purposes because they eat, you know, the ground nesting birds and all that stuff. But uh, I, I've been coon hunting with dogs probably 10 times in my life. And if we've killed five coons in those 10 times, I'd be surprised. Yeah. And then if you come up to a tree that's got two coons in it, you can't shoot it because it messes with the dogs. It's like, this is the dumbest thing ever. Just kill them. (laughs) I mean, I like seeing, I like seeing dogs work and everything, but if I'm going to go hunt something and not kill it, I would, I'll get a bird dog. Absolutely. Dog. Yep. So, so Sam, this is off topic or this changes our topic, but earlier I mentioned Volkswagens and you said we were going to get to that. Oh, well, <clears throat> we had, those are, had previously talked to me this morning talking about how either you or your, oh, your dad used to race Mayora mm-hmm. and my uncle used to race Mayora back in the fucking seventies. Mayora is like mid America off-road racing association. Something that right? of that. Yeah. Um, but I, I didn't know how, if that was done with by the time that you were. So no, it wasn't. Um, I'm trying to think, I don't, they quit sometime. 
I was born in 91. They quit just before I was born. Okay. But he started when he was 16, so that would have put dad... That would have been right around 1980, probably. Okay. So I don't know your uncle's name. His name's Larry Fitzgerald. He probably... Probably knows your dad. Probably knows him. Um, um, but, uh, but yeah, so Mayora continued after that, and they still have a small group of people that still race that they don't get a whole lot of you know involvement it's just kind of a dying thing but um when oh i was probably 13 14 somewhere in there one of dad's employees started racing the truck class with them right and uh so they were still doing it pretty big then and the trucks were real big then um so that was kind of my experience with it because i would go with him to all the races and ride shotgun with him and sure. whatever and so, so the guy you raced with was Justin Brummer. Yep. And he had a brother named Ryan that was my age. Yep. And we were going to buy a truck from Carlin. Mm-hmm. Yep, probably Dirk. Dirk Carlin. We, he had a truck. We were going to buy a $750. Me and Ryan were going to split it. We had no way to tow it. So I had a Jeep Cherokee. Ryan had a Jeep Cherokee. That was lifted, and mine was lifted, and mine was lifted less. So we thought, we'll tow it with my Jeep. So we thought, well, we better test this. We figured Ryan's Jeep Cherokee weighed about the same as a Ranger. Ranger. So we put Ryan's Cherokee on my dad's 16-foot car trailer and towed it around the mall and back. And by the time we got back, we're like, no, this is not going to work. This is not going to work. So I actually had the money out of the bank and everything i was gonna do it and we'd chicken out the last minute so the carlin's still race um clint works for dan hecht and i think he still races a buggy and his dad is racing a buggy now too gotcha i feel feel like if they got like a razor class going it would probably take i think it just needs to take it needs some support it needs Mm -hmm. somebody that's in the business in that industry to help push it well the the problem i think is like the type of track setup that they have doesn't really lend itself to side by side so much because a couple about a decade ago I watched a mayor race at Casey, and then Cody and I and R.I.P. Josh Durbin had that Midwest side by side series, and we raced a course at Casey, mm-hmm. and they're like, "This is the old mayor track. This is where they went because they kind of went through the property and through the and they kind of." crossed a couple tracks and stuff and we did it and it did not suit our needs at all just because of the the speeds that we hit it's mm-hmm. just so much different than oh absolutely and it just it didn't really lend itself so i, I don't really know if you could add a side-by-side class to mayor or not but yeah i mean like you said you'd have to tailor your tracks and and even the modern buggy and truck class stuff you know, the bigger off-road stuff, it's a lot more open track now than what it used to be. Okay. Uh, because they're just, you know, the the technology, the equipment, they're faster, they're, you know, so. I mean, man, them guys would take those two-wheel drive Rangers and just, oh, just yeah. be wide open yeah. the whole time, man. Just... No muffler. Bang! Yeah. So my uncle, growing up, he has, I don't know, seven-something acres over in Charleston, and it's just a, not a junkyard, but there's just shit everywhere. Like you just be walking through the woods, like being a kid, you know, and like, here's an old pickup truck and walk a little more. And here's this old Volkswagen buggy. Like, 
you just be like, hey, Uncle Larry. Do you want to sell it? I don't know if he even has it still. <laughs> like, what? What is this? Oh, that's my old race car. Like, what do you mean race car? He's got he's got two Ford Galaxies in his driveway, sunk in the gravel down to the frames of the used to race stock car, in Charleston. Like, so he's he's like you and guns doesn't sell nothing. Yes. So anyway, I'm like like tell me like what like oh what do you mean race car like this this is not a car this is like a go kart like no it's a it's a Volkswagen like huh like. See that Volkswagen Beetle over there? That's what it used to be, you know. And then he like we'd go get all starry eyed, nostalgic about racing Mayor. And he, I like the one story that sticks with me, which you probably understand. I already know what story this. You know is. what I'm talking about? Like the whatever class he was in, like a stock or mm-hmm. lightly modified or whatever, you had to run a stock engine. But in order to get more power, you couldn't put an aftermarket camshaft in it. That was illegal, and you they didn't. They don't make an adjustable timing set at this time back mm-hmm. in the 70s. So they would take the camshaft out, put it in the vise, heat the cam gear up with a torch, and twist it to advance the cam just a little <laughs> bit to squeeze a few more horsepower out of that air-cooled VW engine. So it's funny you say that because Dad would race. They raced several classes over the course of the years, but their last car was a super, super stock class. It had a lot of engine restrictions on it. Right. Um and he would on that. I still have that engine in my uh, garage at home, and it okay. was in the buggy up until last summer. Your your buggy, my buggy. Yeah. Yep. Um, I just literally grabbed it from under the bench when I got it done. I needed a motor to get in it so yeah. I could drive it. Fresh. You could up. literally grab it. Yep. And, yeah. New piston rings, uh, cylinders, everything was all the same. Freshened it up, threw it in, it started. We drove it. Okay. It. To, to get the compression ratio he wanted, which was extremely high for a stock Volkswagen, mm-hmm. he machined the cylinders so the piston actually comes out of the cylinders. <laughs> it, has a, it has a negative deck height. Okay. But then he machined the heads to... The heads had to be a certain CC. Okay. So he machined a lip in the heads... To receive the piston? To receive the piston, but then the heads were way larger CC than what... The, the bare minimum was per the rule book. Okay. And it's somewhere in the 13 to one compression range. <laughs> oh yeah. It had I, So if in my buggy, when I drove it in the summertime, I had to run like three quarts of VP 110 from Cody uh-huh. at the, at the CW there with 93 pump gas, or it would just detonate. Like you wouldn't believe. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of interesting what they did yeah. back in the day to get those things tweaked. And they didn't have the fucking internet. No, none of it. All of it was like rumor and folklore and you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And then like, gearing. Gearing was big. Dad built transmissions for everybody. Yeah. Yep. You go in and he would take... No six rib? Six ribs, three ribs, you know, whatever. He would go in and, and take stock gear ratios from different models and make them all work because they were still stock gear ratios. Just... This just different ratios. First, first gear out of a bus, yeah, second yeah. gear out of yeah. a super beetle, third mm-hmm. gear out of a regular beetle. Yeah. So it was it was very interesting. Yeah, that's freaking awesome. So and then you know like all the suspension stuff. Like when I built mine, I got rid of all the Volkswagen torsion. Right. And went with coilovers that come off of razors. Um, when he first saw it and drove it, he's like, what in the world are you doing? And I, he drove it and he's like, oh my, this is better than anything we ever had. (laughs) (laughs) 
Like, yeah, about 50 years of fucking technology, old man. Ball joint front ends that they could get like seven and a quarter inches of travel out of. Oh, man, I bet they just beat the dog piss out of them. He said a a good seat was a must. Well, do you remember? I I think it was uh, Redbird. A long time ago, we went jeeping at Redbird, and there are these two dudes in dune buggies. They weren't like mayor buggies. They were like like a woods buggy, or... like a rail, yep. like you would see, like no body work at all. And they had like V tread tractor tires on the mm-hmm. back, like thirty two inch V treads. And these dudes are like bobbing through these freaking jeep trails, just launching over shit Those with momentum. Climb hills like you wouldn't believe, because all the weights oh, over the just, axle. They let her eat. That, so that. Guy came with us. That's one of oh yeah that's yeah that's yeah one of Greg's friends. Mark Klein is his name. Okay, it had a it, that was at Interlake. It had a uh, uh, EOTech in it. Ecotech. Ecotech. Yeah. Really. Yeah, an Ecotech in it, and uh, I'm I think I'm still friends with the dude on Facebook. But yeah, that uh, yeah he came with us. But it was a totally different. You know, we would try to like crawl over something. He just had to hit it with speed. You just know, launch it. Front wheels in the air, just blah. <laughs> Which they didn't really weigh anything. It's probably hard to break one of those, honestly. Dude, those were everywhere down at Land Between the Lakes. I mean, there was probably 30 of them down there. I'd like, like to go down there. My I built mine a little too nice, but I still want to take it. If I could find a cheap frame, I've got... I still have a junkyard of beetles and buses that was dad's. I need to come bin. see these sometime. They're pretty rough, but there's all kinds of stuff down there. I still like junk. Yeah, see, who doesn't like junk? Like Speaking of junk... You know where we need to take a field trip to this spring before it gets real nasty? This one's? That too. Roger Eaton. Oh, yeah? yeah. So I ran into a guy the other day from that area. Yeah. And uh, I was like, is Roger Eaton still? Oh, yeah, you know. And then we kind of talked about it. He said, that guy's got more money than anybody in the area. Well, that Where's doesn't farm. Yeah. Any you non-farm. Have a junkyard or something? Yeah, yeah. up by um, up by Finley. So I haven't been to a good junkyard in a long time. This, this is a, this good, is a good cause because the guy, bless his heart, like you said, he's got more money. He, he knows what to do. Damn thing. He doesn't sell it. Like, like, hey Roger, what do, what do you want for this shock absorber off this old Ford pickup truck? Oh yeah, what do you give me on it? Uh ten dollars. Oh, I do better than that. Like what do you want for? I don't to give me like $15. Oh, you're going to do better than that. And like, all right, Roger, 20 bucks. Final offer. I'll just keep it. Like, <laughs> all right, then guess so I'm not the, the issue I found with him is you'd be like, what do you want for the transfer case out of that pickup truck? He'd be like, I don't know. Go pull it, bring it up here. We'll talk. So you go pull this transfer case out of this truck, bring it up there. What do you want for it? And then the whole bullshit that Sam just said would happen. And then you leave and he's got the fucking thing pulled out sitting in his driveway and he fucking sells it to the next person. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. He did that too on the bus. Uh, There was a bus that had propane mixer set up. Oh, yeah. He's like, you pull it off and bring it up here. We'll talk. So we went and pulled it all off and brought it up there. I'm pretty sure we left without it. We left without it. I remember that distinctly. It was like an old school bus that was running on propane. Sounds like he's got it figured out. He must. So. Then he had that old boat just chilling. Yeah. Giant ass boat. Oh, man. Dude, that was... We don't have fun anymore. You know that? <laughs> Why not? Don't. Why not? We got sp- old we growing got, up. We got sponsor Villaries now. <laughs> oh, damn it, Tommy. 
children. That's the problem. I, do, I ain't got none of those. Doesn't have that. So. I do probably owe Roger eating a window though, because we had to test. <laughs> we had to test <laughs> the sport plug. We owe him right. probably <laughs> seven or eight windows, because yeah. that was a because we were we were getting parts off of the commando that he had. Yes. And I was like, there's no way this motherfucker got a Jeep commando. And like, Roger, do you have a Jeep? Yeah. This is good out I bought, there. bought off a black preacher from Matt too. <laughs> <laughs> he knows, knew where he got everything from. And so we're in there fucking with it, and like I, don't, I need an air cleaner or something. I don't know what it's the fuck. The, I think the grill, maybe. What no, because Jason. Anyway, it don't matter. It doesn't matter. But anyway, I I took a spark plug out, and I was like, Dozer, did you know spark plugs break windows? Like bull fucking shit. So I smashed one with a rock, and like <laughs> there was like a. A bus or, or S10 or something. I was like, check this out. Boom, goes right through. He's like, what the fuck? And then he took one through at the windshield. Ding, he's like, you're full of shit. But we, we found out it'd be the side window. Yeah. They wouldn't bust the windshield. Yeah. But. So then, like, we got this handful of broken spark plugs <laughs> walking around. Oh, what like, do we do? <laughs> like, shit, looking back, he probably wanted to sell those windows. <laughs> <laughs> or at least the interior in those vehicles that was protected by oh, he wasn't selling shit fuck him <laughs> roger if you're listening we're sorry <laughs> does he have any does he have any, tells me he's not he's probably not <laughs> does he have any beetles old beetles oh i guarantee he does he had a is, there was a bus out there as you find them they're just they're out they're not worth nothing right so if anybody's listening you got a good clean beetle let me know there was one at in t-town for sale for fifty nine hundred dollars, mm. it was a red one, and but it was like I don't even remember. It was like a seventy five, and I walked in there, and they're like, "What?" I was at Pings, and they're like, "What year is that beetle?" Like a seventy five. Oh, is it a super beetle? I'm like, I don't fucking know. So I go back out there, and it said super beetle on the for sale. Like, oh, junk, junk. I don't want no super beetle. Which I don't know what the difference is. So super beetle, they went to the what the, I think they called the McPherson strut. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And so sounds better. Basically, your they do, they do ride good or better than the old school beam cars. Okay. But you're relying on a really weak body system, unibody system with the Volkswagen uh-huh. and the struts are all supported, you know, by that. Uh-huh. You can beef them up and run cross braces and stuff in there if you want to, but they weren't sought after for the guys that really wanted to use a beetle for what they were known for. Sure. I gotcha. Yeah. I gotcha. Gary Wines has a uh convertible. Yeah. A cabriolet. Cabriolet. Uh. Um Tim Tut had a cabriolet. Uh it was the fuel injected one. So I need a couple good bodies. I would like to have a running, nice, classic beetle that will have a turbo under the hood that nobody sees. Under the bonnet. Uh I have a customer that has a ninety six or ninety seven beetle from Mexico. Yeah. I'd love to find a couple from Mexico. That thing, it's got air conditioning. Because if I oh yeah. If that, I can ever uh it's no shit. It's cool. It is air cooled and yeah. It is cool. You know, I've talked to Cody Willenberg a bunch about it, but if I can ever afford a really nice new side-by-side, it's going to be a Beetle. I'm just going to do the body, body, do body swap and make it legal for the road and let her eat. That would be cool. I I would like to do that with a Mini Cooper. Yeah, I've seen that done. That would be cool. Yeah, I've seen them done with a Suzuki Samurai, too. Mm-hmm. They look lots, good. Lots of people do it. And ride good and... Street legal. Mm-hmm. Noisy though. 
when you close them noisy side by sides, then it's worse. Yeah, I could, I could. Yeah, see with him, de- depending <laughs> on depending on how you, yeah, did your firewall setup. I, I've I've told multiple people multiple times, like a lot of guys, you go out Tennessee or whatever. People have aftermarket exhaust on their side by sides. The only time I'm okay with it is like on Cody's race car, because you're it's in a it. max effort thing. Yeah, but like I would like a, a pipe and exhaust for a razor is like seven hundred dollars for like the I don't know what well, I don't even know what brand you, it would be, but like the good high end exhaust for one, and it's loud. Like I would give good money if somebody made a non-catalytic converter exhaust that was quieter than stock i would pay really good money for it because like like i'm i don't want to listen to a two-cylinder engine run Mm -hmm. like if it's got less than six cylinders it sounds like shit regardless of what you do to it (laughs) Uh, hold on the old opposed volkswagen sounds pretty good i mean for a volkswagen like it's unique. I'll give you that. It's it has unique. Its own sound. It's it's unique. My, I don't... Na- my neighbor at my old house didn't think it sounded that great when we we're fucking <laughs> rotting rot, that, that rail with a super trap. Hell yeah! But uh... <laughs> that had the uh, the the chassis. The tubes were like they had frozen. Yeah, the water had gotten in the tubes and bus. froze. Yes. <laughs> the the anyway. My point is is it's it's a two cylinder. Yeah. Like, and it's not even a good two cylinder. Like you could you could argue that a Harley sounds good with loud exhausts on it, and it it probably does, but not to me. Like I I want to hear mini cylinders in unison yeah. singing the song of their people. Well, and then most of yours are turbo cars. My brother's NA four seater is double is loud with a stage five exhaust on it and it is it is unbearable it's unbearable yeah like i'm in this thing to relax listen to music drive through the countryside i don't want to hear my engine i want to hear trap music or country music or whatever i'm listening to at that yeah, point the only thing i get riding with sam is tinnitus <laughs> <laughs> my razor now is not as loud as my 1000 no your razor is not loud but the music you play in it is it not not i'm did you ever ride my 1000 with that sound top over there oh it had, uh, no it had six speakers that were two inches above your head that son of a bitch was loud that was loud yeah i don't i didn't have as much fun as i probably should have back in those days i was trying to be a big boy and be responsible and all that stupid up do you have any questions left uh not really Mm -hmm. i mean your favorite car story memory but we've kind of already been talking about all that okay so i was just just wondering they were supposed to do what did you learn um i didn't write anything down we're out of practice yeah exactly um i learned I, I guess I didn't learn shit because I knew this, but Dozer only buys guns that have a practical purpose. I learned that uh, Sam would only sell one gun and Cody shoots PRS because he hates money. <laughs> Not to get better at Kyle hunting. Yeah. Um, so do you want to buy that gun or? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Can't find a practical. You, you, you gaslight me into a practical use for it, and we can talk. Oh shoot! I, I'll I'll be thinking. I'll be thinking of Stogu it. Stogu something. Yeah. 
Well, that's true. I, I did think about that. 25 round drum. Oh, it won't work. Well, you, you have to get the JTS brand drum, I guess. Oh, to I get see. It. But it's, on, it's only a 15 round drum, which is We've already established lame. you'll let me use any of your guns to hunt, so maybe I'll just borrow it. All right. Uh, I used to take your over and under dove hunting quite a bit. I do like that gun. I, I do like that gun as well. What is it? It's a Franke huh? over and under. And it, it, uh, I bought it so that I could do better at shooting ski and I shot worse than with my A70. <laughs> yeah, we got me and Sam. I guess while we're talking guns, me and Sam got heavy, heavy in the summer of 2012. I was just talking about this with Travis Tucker. So we got heavy into shooting clay pigeons. So we shoot five stands, sporting clays, and ski, and maybe a little trap. But I think that summer alone, we shot. 2000 rounds each because it was like a weekly tradition it was like a weeknight what, what was skeet night tuesday night yeah so mm-hmm. tuesday night i'd we come couldn't down go on sundays because you went to church all day on sundays because you had your audio visual bullshit or whatever so we had to shoot tuesday nights so i would come down to effingham for matt tune and we would shoot five stand or skeet or whatever they had going on tuesdays on tuesday night and then we'd go back to dozer's house and go into the basement and crack open some ice cold bud lights or bush lights they were bush lights yeah probably bush oh, lights surely not that tranny fluid well back then it wasn't yeah back then it, yeah exactly. uh and we would clean guns and then reload like 200 rounds for the of, next week for the next week and we we didn't know how fucking good we had it back then so and then we're like well Shot is expensive, so I found a place on eBay that sold reclaimed shot. So mm-hmm. it was all different sizes. It's like skeet four salad. Sizes. Yeah, we call it skeet salad. <laughs> and we just mix it all up in the tumbler. Oh my gosh, those were good times, man. We burnt a lot of red dot that summer. Oh yeah. So when you, when you could buy it cheap, when you could buy it, yeah. yeah I think my dad had like an eight pound jug of red dot and we, we used just, it all we we're just lipping off of that thing <laughs> <laughs> well what what happened was like the very next summer the price of powder doubled yeah and i still have upstairs i still have like a whole huge ass box full of empty boxes that i was gonna because re- i we, he's got a picture of me digging in a trash can we went to oakland sporting clays and people up there are rich, and they just Apparently. <laughs> and they just throw their once fired double a holes in the trash. So I'm through digging through double a holes. I've got Sam got a, like a 55 gallon trash bag full of once fired double a's. Those are like gold. And so anyway, like anyway, like I said, people in Oakland are rich, so they threw them all away. So I dug them out of there, and I had all these empty boxes. We were gonna reload like 200 boxes of ammo and have them in ammo boxes. And then, like, the price of powder fucking doubled. No, it's lead. Lead shot doubled. And we were like, well, fuck. You can get the federal value pack at Walmart for, like, $21 for 100 rounds. Uh-huh. We can't reload for that. So we shot that for ever after that. Yep. And now you can't even buy that shit anymore. When I shot Skeet League, it's been a while ago, before my kids were around, so probably 10 years ago. My cousin still shoots it. Him and his dad always reloaded. He would reload for me, but he told me, he's like, it's going to be about the same price as factory. However, he had a pretty good tailored load that we liked, so that's what I stuck with. But it it didn't save us any money. Yeah. The the only advantage would be, like, if you wanted to put, like, 
an ounce and a quarter in that motherfucker or yeah, and the big thing was for skeet when we were shooting league like whatever he loaded was lower pressure it wasn't as much recoil and it was noticeable you you shoot 100 rounds you could tell that you weren't at the end of the night you're like flinching and yeah yeah, yeah. so what what started the whole thing is i was wanting to sell the sportsman's club hats and they're like if you want to sell us hats you got to come to a meeting because we have meetings on tuesday night and they they said also bring your gun if you want to shoot skeet or maybe my dad said my dad's like well they shoot tuesday nights bring a gun so the only thing we had bullets loaded for was my was 28 gauge and i brought my dad has a skb 28 gauge over and under i brought out there and while i was waiting for them for my turn at the meeting or whatever i went and shot around and i shot a 24 out of 25 mm. and i was like oh this might be something. Well, that was the best I ever was. It just got worse from that. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, bought a 12 gauge and I bought a uh, TriStar from Steve Habing and shot it all summer. Like I said, I think I run 2000 rounds through that gun. I liked it because it just had the same chokes as my Benelli. Why I just didn't shoot my Benelli, I don't know. But, uh, because it wasn't a gentleman's gun. Yeah. $100 gun. $1,500 gun. This doesn't make sense. So, well, you know, I didn't want to bend over to pick up them empties, you know. <laughs> yeah. And it was camo, and yeah. you can't be shooting yeah. Skeet League with a so, camo gun. Yeah. So, Rebecca Bickle listens to this. So, when we spent our summer out in Wyoming on our internship, uh, Rebecca, well, apparently they don't know what Skeet is out there. They only shoot trap, right. that I could tell. Uh, weird Western folk. <laughs> But uh, Rebecca had shot competitively in high school, I believe. So her dad was a gunsmith, and she had this gorgeous 1100 Remington, you know, adjustable everything. And we're like, okay, you know, we'll we'll go out and shoot. Well, the, the only gun I had, I brought my Benelli out there, and I shot a couple 25s in trap with that Benelli, and. Uh, the I had a Stevens model 820B and it was chopped off at 16 and a quarter inches, no bead. <laughs> and my roommate Vincenzo had never shot a gun in his life. He was from a big city in Colorado. And <laughs> sometimes Vincenzo with that Stevens uh, 820B or whatever it was would outshoot Rebecca and she was not happy about that. A <laughs> little, little salty. I believe the words were constantly mediocre. <laughs> and, the, and the deal was whoever lost had to clean guns and I don't think I cleaned my gun any that summer. Yeah. <laughs> so she'll probably ride in with that memory. Maybe her memory is a little different than that, but it was a good time. Yeah, trap's a little different than skeet. I, I will say that for sure. I remember her dad, we started shooting uh, prairie dogs. And uh, her dad sent her in the mail or whatever when her mom came and visited a 17 HMR. And I was shooting a 243 Winchester <laughs> Super Short Mag that I was reloading on um, the end table. I had clamped my reloading press to like the coffee table at this like hotel we stayed in all summer. And then uh, another guy named uh, Nathan Gillespie, uh, he was shooting a 270 short mag. <laughs> and I have a picture on my phone. He hit near a prairie dog, didn't even hit it, and killed it. <laughs> well, the smallest bullet for a 270 is probably 
Yo, he was shooting like Winchester, like the platinum. Ninety grand or something. They were like 60, 80 bucks a box back then. So I also opened my phone up to find the picture of Sam digging through the trash. And one of the first pictures that came up was my dad's cousin had sold a Finn Mosin to the gun shop in Altamont. And I didn't know it. I would have bought it off of him. And I seen it sitting on the rack. I was like, is that a Finn? He's like, yep, it's already sold on Gunbroker or something like that. So, hmm. and those were, those were noticeably nicer than your normal. Looks nicer. But. That it does. Anyway, Sam, I'll find the picture you digging through the trash. You can use it as the thumbnail on this. All right, perfect. Um, anything else we want to talk about on this episode? Yeah, I'm about, I'm about over this. Okay, well, I got to pee anyway, so. Yeah, as do I. All right. Well, guys, thanks for riding along with us. Cody, thanks for joining us. Yeah, we appreciate it. No, I had fun. Um, If you guys like the gun talk, maybe we'll do another one sometime. Give us some feedback. If you hate it, then uh, move to Canada, you liberal. (laughs) 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 All right, guys. Thanks for riding along with us. We'll, uh, We'll catch you on the next one. See you guys later.
Bye.